0: A couplet from one of my favorite songs is Light and Life to All He Brings, Risen with Healing in His Wings. Now, this is a Christmas carol, but actually it's much more true at Easter on Resurrection Sunday. You see, Jesus is the light of the world who brings his life to all who live in humble, dependent, obedient faith in him. Scripture tells us that God lives in light. Also, that he is light and salvation, and that the Word of God gives light and is light. Also, that um, Yahweh gives salvation that comes from the strength of God and the light. Of his face through his favor or grace. And also, people are encouraged to pray for light from Yahweh, from God, in two different Psalms. And then Isaiah tells us that Yahweh is continuously fashioning light as. A potter fashions clay. And then he is also making shalom, making peace. Now, in our passage that we heard this morning of the suffering Messiah, who was the first to raise, to be risen, to come to life from the dead, to proclaim that light is coming both to the people, which is a euphemism for Israel, they were God's chosen people, but also, surprise, to all the people of all the nations of all the earth. Now, Jesus is the light of the world. He proclaimed this in John's gospel, who opens eyes and gives Life. Jesus rose from the dead to proclaim life to all people. Christ's resurrection proclaims light. Light to all. Now, Jesus is ascended and he is on the throne of the universe. So he is delegated. Delegated to us this task of proclamation about him. His disciples now tell about his light. So now let's look this morning at Paul's testimony to King Agrippa and learn what we are called to do when we receive light and when we receive life from Jesus Christ. Now our passage is in two parts. It starts with Paul testifying to what Jesus had done and what he learned when he encountered Jesus about the suffering Messiah and his resurrection and how we are to repent and practice worthy deeds. So he starts out before Agrippa And he says, I was not disobedient to this vision from heaven, teaching everywhere to everyone to repent, to turn to God, and to practice deeds worthy of repentance. Line by line, he starts out, consequently King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the from heaven vision with the emphasis on this vision and encounter he had with Jesus Christ. Let me give us some context here. We could have started earlier. He is testifying to the Roman-appointed king over Palestine, whose name is Agrippa, which is Greek for hero-like. And he's in Caesarea which is on the extreme western side of Palestine, right on the Mediterranean Sea. It's some 63 miles northwest of Jerusalem and 125 miles southwest of Damascus, where he had his encounter with Jesus. Now, he's also in in the presence of Festus, the governor, and not surprisingly, Festus means a festival. Now he's told of his extreme opposition to the name of Jesus. And as he was going to Damascus, he saw a light as bright as the sun. And he heard the voice of Jesus commanding him to tell the things he saw, the things he saw of Jesus, so that all the people of all the nations could hear it. And the purpose of his going to all the nations was for them to open their eyes and to be turned from the power of the adversary, the accuser of people, to God in order to receive forgiveness of sins and a share with those being made holy by the faith in Jesus Christ. Now we're up to date. And Paul continues, but first to those in Damascus. And then in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and to the nations also, I have been preaching to repent, to turn to God, and deeds worthy of repentance, always practicing. Emphasis on the last word. This is how he's practicing, how he's living his life. Now, Jesus' last words, we're all familiar with them. He said to the twelve before he ascended, and you are to testify to me, Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Well, Paul starts with Damascus north of Syria because that's where he encountered Jesus. But then he circles back in Jerusalem, all Judea, and to all the nations of the earth. And the verb Paul uses indicates that he was continuously testifying from the day he encountered Jesus on the road all the way up to that current day when he was a Roman prisoner testifying in Caesarea, and he's testifying to three things. And these three things are for every disciple of Jesus Christ. This is what God wants us to do. First, to change our heart and our thinking, our minds. Second, to turn to the God. And this is very important in Greek when the definite article is used. In those days, they had hundreds of so-called gods. He's not talking about them. Turn to the God, the only true God. And then third, they are to continuously be practicing deeds worthy of this change of heart and mind, which is repentance. They are always to climb God's spiral staircase of change becoming more Christ-like while living here in his kingdom on earth now. So disciples prove their repentance by good deeds of faith. And then he says, now due to these things, everything that I have been doing, the Jews seized me in the temple courts and they've been attempting to kill me. Now, in Paul's last letter that he wrote to Timothy, he said, all desiring to live godly in the Messiah, Savior, will be persecuted. And very soon after he read these words, he was executed in Rome. Then he goes on and he says, having obtained God's help, he is testifying to what the prophets and Moses said about Messiah, the first to rise from death to proclaim light. He says, therefore, having obtained help again from the God, no one else could give this to me. Until this day, I have stood testifying to both small and great alike, saying nothing beyond what both the prophets and Moses said was coming to be. Remember, God is, I am. So with God's help, and, and we need to understand this, people, to do God's work, his help is necessary. We can do nothing, nothing whatsoever without God in our own strength. We're helpless. And he's still standing. Paul says, I'm still testifying, even as a prisoner of Rome. And remember, Jesus had commanded the 12 to testify to him after the spirit of truth came upon them. And then, we've already heard it, but I'll say it again. Just before he went to heaven, he said that all of his disciples were to testify to him in ever-widening circles throughout the whole earth. And now notice how Paul is working backwards from the first century when he lived. He goes back to the Messianic prophecies given through the prophets around 700 B.C., And then he works his way all the way back to Moses, who said sometime around 1400 BC, that God will raise up a prophet like unto myself, Moses, only greater. Listen to him. And then he talks about the suffering Messiah. And of course, the prophet Isaiah was given the longest paragraph in all of Scripture about the suffering Messiah. But he's the first to rise from the dead. And if you'll look at the chapter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, all about resurrection, he says that because Jesus rose from the dead, this guarantees resurrection for all who are in him when he returns. If we remain in Christ until we meet him or he comes back, we too shall be resurrected from the dead. So, Paul says he is beginning to proclaim light. I'm sorry. Jesus is beginning to proclaim light through his people from the first century until now. First to the people, again, that's Israel. Thank God for Jews for Jesus and other ministries like that and then all of the people on earth. Now, when we talk about light, one more thing. Through both Isaiah in 720 B.C. and Jeremiah in 586 B.C., we're told that God's people had hoped for light, but darkness. Why darkness? Because of their sin and their idolatry, which they could not overcome. But the suffering Messiah, Jesus, he brought light both to the people and to all of the nations. One more thing, I want to go back and remind you of Isaiah because Paul talked about the after the fact the importance of the resurrection. Isaiah, and I've preached this on previous Easter's, He said 700 years before Jesus showed up that death would be swallowed up in victory forever to give. Gladness and joy of salvation. And then finally, Paul climaxes this part by saying the universal announcement of this light in the Messiah, the light of life, we do it because he was resurrected, and this is truly good news for everyone. Christ's resurrection proclaims light to all people. And now, here we get real human nature. So right as Paul is all wound up, here comes Festus, and he calls Paul insane But Paul says his words are of a sound mind. So Festus says in a loud voice, Paul, you're out of your mind. Your learning is turning you insane. So Luke narrates this, that as he is speaking this defense, Festus said, with a great voice, you're out of your mind, Paul. Now, the word that is translated defense, the Greek word is the root of our English word apologetics. What is apologetics? It is the practice of arguing in defense of the Christian faith. So, Paul was saying, here's why I'm a Christian and why you should be a Christian. But Festus is finding Paul's presentation of the gospel of Jesus, especially this idea that he was resurrected from the dead to bring the light of life to all people. He's finding this highly illogical. The word that Festus uses for insane you can check it out in Webster's, is the root of our English word, maniac. He's saying, Paul, you're a maniac. But Paul says, I am not becoming a maniac, most excellent Festus. No. Using the very same word that was thrown at him, he says, no, most excellent Festus, you are wrong." Let me comment on this, people. Truth is truth. Now, degraded human nature wants to make right and wrong merely a relative choice of whoever's speaking. What I say is right and wrong is right and wrong. But God has determined what is right and what is wrong. And we can know his standard of right and wrong because he has written it in his word. And we are to read his word. We are to meditate on his word. We are to know his word so we will do it. And he says, but I am uttering specific words of truth and of a sound mind. Now, Jesus is truth. He said, I am the truth. The way, the truth, and the life. In fact, Jesus is the answer, he himself, to Pilate's question on Good Friday. What is truth? Truth is Jesus. And he says, I am of a sound mind. And the dictionary describes this as having good sense Always being rational and reasonable, sober and discreet. That's what Paul is. And he says, because the king knows these things, I also speak to him freely in bold confidence. Now, Agrippa was the great-grandson of Herod the Great, who was king when Jesus was born. And he was the son of, of the Herod. Who we read about in Acts 12. Who was struck down. By God. As worms ate his belly. While he was giving a speech. It's this Agrippa. But Paul. Was a different person. After he encountered Jesus. On his way to Damascus. And with the help. Of Hananiah. Which means. Yahweh is grace, that's uh, Ananias, and with the filling of the Holy Spirit, both of these, Paul immediately began to preach with power, proving Jesus is Messiah. People, we can learn from this, as I said in the beginning, may we all receive sound minds from the Messiah, Savior. In order to freely proclaim the truth of his gospel and to not be deterred if anybody should call us insane or foolish. And then, bottom line, because I am persuaded not any of this has escaped him. He's talking to Festus about Agrippa. Not one single thing, because not in a corner was this having been practiced. So he ends his speech the way he ended his first part of the defense. Okay. Now when he says persuaded, this is the very word that Paul used when he wrote to the Christians in Rome, I'm persuaded that nothing in all of creation can separate those who are being made holy in Jesus from the love of God in the Messiah Savior. And then when he says not practice in a corner, as I said, this was the same word referring to the miracles that God is doing in those who have surrendered their lives to him. In his son. And it's the same word for the good deeds worthy of repentance they work together that people do after they turn to God in Jesus, having heard the gospel and the good news about the Savior who died on the cross so their sins could be forgiven and he rose from the dead to give them eternal, abundant, and Purposeful, fruitful life in him. It was all done in the wide open. It was not hidden, Festus, for all of the world, all of the people, everywhere. And here's the bottom line, and here's our challenge this morning, people. We must all know the Savior Messiah who suffered for us and was the first to rise from the dead so that we will turn to God. And then we can be changed to practice worthy deeds and join with the resurrected Savior, Messiah, in proclaiming his light so all people may have life. Christ's resurrection proclaims light to all. So let's wrap up our passage this morning. The Apostle Paul was always preaching so people would turn from themselves to God, to always practice worthy deeds by testifying to the suffering Messiah whose resurrection proclaims light. Now when Festus interrupted Paul to say he's out of his mind, Paul said the words he's speaking about The Messiah are true and of a sound mind. And here is the truth. Messiah has brought the light of life to all people everywhere. Christ's resurrection proclaims light and life to everyone.